culture is everywhere, whether we realize it or not. Our team at work has a culture. Our family at home has a culture. The group of friends that we hang out with has a culture. The question is, are we going to be intentional about the culture we are creating or let it be decided by default? My good friend Rex Brooking is going to share why the single most important thing we can do as leaders is to intentionally align our team on the culture we want, starting with bringing them on board to the team. Welcome back here to the Secret Sauce Podcast. I am your host, Josh Swing. If you're new to the show, we interview Chick-fil-A operators across the country and release a couple of episodes every month. So if you have not already hit the subscribe button, I do not know what you're waiting for, but go hit that plus button and add it to your libraries. That way you'll know when a new interview drops. I mentioned Rex Brooking. He's going to be on the podcast today. He is an incredible leader. Rex leads not one, but two restaurants up in Dayton, Ohio. On top of that, he coaches a high school boys basketball team and has won multiple state championships. I don't know how he does it all, but I don't think I've ever met someone who is more passionate about coaching, leadership, and basketball than I am. Needless to say, this is going to be a really fun conversation. Let's dive in. Rex, I am really excited to have you on the podcast. There's a lot of different reasons, one of which is our shared passions for everything, basketball, coaching, leadership, all the above. And so, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to go ahead and hop in and we're going to get the questions firing because I know you've got a lot of value that you're going to deliver to the audience today. Rex, what is your go-to sauce? If you can only choose one to have for the rest of your life, you can't cho- you can't have any of the other sauces there off the Chick-fil-A menu, just one, which one would it be? 20 years ago, I probably would have told you barbecue sauce, but now that we have the world-famous Chick-fil-A sauce, it has to be that. Um, if I eat sauce, that's what it is. I'm in a proximity to the to the nation's largest air force base, so I have a lot of guests, a lot of people that I know who end up getting deployed all around the world, and that's the one thing that that they all request as well when they're out of the country is, uh, can you send me Chick Fil A sauce? Have you sent over Chick Fil A sauce internationally to different people? Oh goodness, dozens of times. That's so cool. Care packages with Chick-fil-A sauce. I bet they just hit different getting to open that up and seeing, man, Chick-fil-A sauce, whatever they're eating, you could throw it on there and it's going to make it 10 times better. Great answer. Just a classic, a staple. Let's refocus, recenter on the main theme of this podcast, which is going to be your secret sauce, Rex. And I'm excited about your secret sauce because I've gotten the chance to know you well, just through conversations over the last six to 12 months. And so, man, if you had to label your secret sauce when it comes to building your your teams there in Dayton, Ohio, what would you label Rex's secret sauce and the unique value that you add to your team from a leadership perspective? For any leader in an organization, your, your main responsibility is to create the culture in the organization that you want. You're going to have a culture either by default or by intentionality. Uh, getting the opportunity as the leader of the organization to determine what that is, is, I believe, uh, the most important thing that that you get to do. Absolutely. You've got to set that clear vision. Rex, I'd love to hear, if you don't mind sharing, 
What does that vision look like for your stores and your teams? We are in Beaver Creek, Ohio. So our vision is to be the best business in Beaver Creek at caring for our guests and our team. There's a lot uh, that kind of rolls up into that, uh, but ultimately that's what we're striving for. That's who we want to be. And I know we, we've talked a little offline, Rex, just about how your focus on that and executing on that vision has changed over the years. I'd love for you to share and encourage the earlier operators that may be listening to this podcast and kind of walking through those earlier stages of your life and what it looked like for you to really lean into that vision, but then also kind of what it looks like now for you. And what does it really look like to focus on that vision on a day in and day out perspective? That's a great question because things do change over the years. And quite frankly, unless you're just, uh, you know, kind of wetting your finger and sticking it in the air and, and hoping for the best to, to land on, on a, a vision that sounds good and mission and values and a purpose and, and, you know, all of these things that we know are, are right for any organization, a business, a school, church, whatever, unless you frankly, have a lot of clairvoyance or get lucky, you might not be able to pinpoint what it is exactly that you want to do from day one. And that be exactly what you had wanted to do, you know, looking back at year 50. Through the years, our focus has changed. It's, It's morphed. It has developed over time. And this is really something that we landed on within the last five years. You know, in those early days, and and you had mentioned newer operators may be listening uh, to this, many of you probably are feeling or or have recently felt the way that I did when I started, and that was, I got to survive day to day. I was what Chick-fil-A calls an external candidate. You know, my, my first professional career was in education, taught high school math. I was a head boys basketball coach, and then eventually I was a principal. I had no knowledge of how to operate a Chick-fil-A. So I was coming in and it was really the blind leading the blind. And I imagine my poor guests and team, those early days in my first restaurant must have been grueling. But I was there 90 plus hours a week in the restaurant, just trying to figure out what in the world it was that I was doing or was supposed to be doing. And so The culture that was uh, being created then was maybe not exactly what I had envisioned or wanted it to be, but there was one in the works uh, because, as I said before, it's going to happen by default or by intentionality. And so as, as time went on, I was able to get some pieces in place and step back out of the four walls of the business for enough time to really sit and chew on what it was that we wanted the business to look like and how we were going to frame that up. And so over time, we landed on the vision that we have and our core values. It, It did not happen overnight. It has changed somewhat over time, but communicating it the way that we have in the last five years has been really good for our business because ultimately, and this is something that you know, as an Ohio State fan, I learned from Urban Meyer years ago, and that is, is that, uh, and I think John Maxwell uh, is known for saying this too, but, you know, I was listening to a podcast that Urban Meyer was on years ago, and he said the most important thing in any organization is alignment. 
you have to be aligned on everything and understanding what your culture is and how to create that. And then alignment under the vision, mission, and values is ultimately the most important thing that you've got going, certainly as the leader of the organization. Rex, I would agree with you 100% that alignment, while you may have the clearest vision in the world, if there's no alignment throughout throughout the team, then it's going to be sketchy at best on what success looks like. I think what you're saying there is you don't have to have it all figured out day one, which I believe a lot of newer leaders feel that pressure of like, I've got to have it all together. And that's not the case. Great things take time. And what I heard you communicate there is we started with the vision and it is it morphed and changed over time into what it is today. But I think also call to action here and what you're talking about, Rex, is don't just think about a vision and then forget about it. Constantly, consistently think about it and what it could be and what you want to accomplish through your business and how you want to do that can change over time. And so so should your vision if it doesn't align with with what those things are. So great encouragement there for for everybody that's one, starting out and two, just continuing to pursue a vision and make the biggest impact that you can make through your business. Mentioned in the Rx, the the previous career that you had in education and coaching. And I want to camp out there for a second and talk about your your passion for that. For those of you who don't know Rex, Rex not only leads multiple restaurants, but also he is a high school boys basketball coach still. So he has not left that in the past yet, has won multiple state championships alongside of leading successful businesses and uh, and also coaches new operators and uh, and serves as a, as a coach for them. And so Rex, I'd love for you to share where that pa- where does that passion for coaching come from? And, uh, and even unpacking a little bit of your philosophy with coaching and, uh, and why you continue to pursue it at, at such a high level with so much of your time now. I appreciate you asking about that because it gives me the opportunity to talk about a guy who the Lord put in my life decades ago, which is really where my passion for coaching was born out of. I lived in Southwest Ohio growing up in a county just east of Cincinnati and found myself down the street from a, a guy who was actually my brother's seventh grade and eighth grade basketball coach. My brother's 11 years older than me. And I, I ended up, my sister and I, who was just a few months older than me, 15 months uh, to be exact, she and I were, were sent to a private school beginning in middle school. And so I never had the opportunity to play for this coach, but I lived down the street from him, started going to his house when I was maybe 11 years old. And he and I just played a lot of basketball. We played a lot of one-on-one and he was somebody that I just loved spending time with and being around. Over the years, it occurred to me that he was somebody that I I needed to model my, my life after. He was an example that the Lord put in my backyard for me, and it just so happened that uh, he taught math and coached basketball. And so that relationship had a huge impact on what it was that I did uh, in my early professional career. Years later, uh, I would have that man as part of my wedding party. You know, he was quite a bit older than me. He's, goodness, he's got to be in his mid-70s now, but always, always think of him as, as a friend and a mentor. And so that's really where a lot of that passion was born out of 
he and I are very different people. He's much more laid back than I am and, and probably a better coach than, than I ever was or ever will be. But I learned a lot from him and really felt like he was someone that there was no mistake on the Lord's part that I lived down the street from him and how much he was able to impact my life. And I always thought, wow, you know, if I had the opportunity in life to just be a shadow of what he was to me in someone else's life, I would take that and run with it. And so and that's really what I've tried to be in my in my professional life, in my personal life, is to offer what I have to anyone that is that is willing to to take it. I'm not this man. His name is John Caleb's. I'm not him. Uh, he's a fantastic person. I have such high regard for him. But I've done I've done what I can in large part because of what he did for me. That's powerful. Leaders make other leaders. And it even goes back to the vision of WildSpark, the team that I'm a part of. And a big part of that vision is this concept of a multiplying leader, somebody who invests in somebody's life and that person turns around and invests in the next person's life. And you just beautifully articulated that, Rex, through your relationship with that coach in your life at a young age. And now the massive amount of impact that you have gone on to create as a result because the way that he invested in you with his time and with his energy, you you are now leading countless high schoolers through coaching basketball, hundreds and hundreds of team members, and then obviously operators who will no telling who they go on to impact in their lives. And there's this, there's this multiplication effect because of those those seeds that you're sowing in those lives of those individuals. And definitely a a, a noble cause there and investing in others and, and building leaders and using every channel that we can to be able to do that. And you've diversified that well, Rex, through all the different avenues that you you pursue that through. I want to circle back to the culture focus. I know you talked a lot about the vision, the values, making that a constant point of meditation and continuously making sure that there there's alignment around that and through the team that you have in place there. I know a big part of that is making sure that there's there's buy-in initially. When people come to the table, when they're looking at joining the team, that they understand that vision and values very clearly and that you can see that clearly in them. So Rex, how do you go about making sure that you have the right team to be able to align around the vision and, and values that you've clearly set out in front of them? That part of what we do on our business cannot be overstated in its importance. It's vitally important that if you're going to truly have your vision and values be the foundation, the day-to-day inner workings of your business, that has to be something that you communicate effectively. It has to be the foundation on which you hire, which you fire if you have to. It, It has to run through and thread through all that you do. One of the most important aspects of any organization is selecting who is going to be a part of that organization. And that's something that, again, through the years hasn't always looked the same, but we have settled on a process that we've used the last six, seven, eight. We have three interviews, even for just a a regular team member who might be doing one role in the restaurant. Uh, We have at least three interviews for them 
plus a phone screening uh, prior to any of the in-person interviews. And years ago, we decided what the most important things are that we're looking for in a potential candidate. And then we crafted questions to ask them that would reveal what it is that, that we're looking for in the candidate. So those three interviews, uh, we have them come back into the restaurant separate times for. That tells us just how interested they are. A lot of times, if if someone's not really interested in, in coming to work for you, they're going to lose interest uh, before they have to come back three times and meet with three different people. But it allows us the, the opportunity to confer with one another on what we heard and what we learned about that person. You know, by the time we see them multiple times, it provides a lot of clarity in terms of whether or not the person that we've been interviewing with is right for our business. And we still don't bat a thousand, but it's much better than the other methods that, that we tried through the years prior to settling on, on what we do now. Absolutely. I've been imagining that there's a weeding out process that happens through the three separate interviews, like you said, where you find out pretty quickly how committed somebody is to, to wanting to work with your team there. If you don't mind, Rex, I'd love to hear even how you break out those days. Are there certain focuses? I know you said there's specific questions that you've clarified for those candidates coming into the process on I'm sure any given one of those interviews, but do you have a certain theme for each of those interviews? I know that operators would probably love to hear what does that progression look like for those three interviews? The first interview really ends up being an interview where we are getting to know the candidate on a personal level and you know what their interests are and things like that. But we do hit them uh, with the questions that, that we have that are trying to uncover those attributes that, that we're looking for. And so that interview takes place with our talent director. And then the second interview will take place with whoever the senior director is in the store that leads the, the part of the business that this individual will most likely be working in. And then they revisit the same type of questioning. They're not the identical questions, but they're follow-up questions to further reveal the attributes that we're looking for. And then the final interview is with the executive director in each store, uh, whichever store they're interviewing for. They really wrap up that process with, uh, again, similar questioning so that then they can go back and speak with the other folks that have interviewed and, you know, figure out if they've answered things in, in a similar fashion or, you know, if we feel like they're just pulling answers out of the air, that can be revealing as well. So we have those three interviews, usually within a week's time frame. We, we try to make the process within five to seven days of the applicant submitting their application so that one, we don't lose them, but two, they can't just come once and be offered a job or not offered a job. And we don't really know just how bad they want to work at our Chick-fil-A's. You know, five to seven days is nothing when you compare that to, you know, what an operator goes through with Chick-fil-A Inc., which sometimes might be a couple of years and coming back and speaking with different people. But at the store level, the process that we've used uh, has worked pretty well for us. I love that you started with the personal side of things. Let's just take the opportunity to get to know what, what are their interests? What do they enjoy doing? What have they been through in life that's led them to where they are today? 
and then letting that lead into some of the questions around the key competencies that you're looking for and those things that you've clarified with your team. I think starting personal is is so great for building that initial connection. I'm imagining that that candidate feels seen and heard and valued by getting to answer questions around things that they're passionate about that will hopefully allow them to lean into that process and to see it through because of the way that they feel getting to go through that process. Hearing you talk about just the different days and even similar questions across the three days, I uh, my mind immediately went to, this may sound bad, <laughs> to like an interrogation process. <laughs> so have you seen like any kind of like law TV show or anything like that, you know that they'll interrogate the witness, whoever it is, multiple times to see if the stories line up. And so that's essentially kind of what I heard you saying is they're they're getting the chance to answer these questions multiple times around these key qualities that you're looking for to see like, hey, do the do the responses line up? And then you're going to meet together with some of the other interviewers to make that, sure that, that right, it's not. Yeah, that that may be a remaining effect from my days as a high school principal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making sure you get to the bottom of it all. But I think that's very effective too because. Man, it's really easy to to put on a front and to appear to be the person you may not think that they are. Asking those follow up questions is just critical to affirming and solidifying that this per- this person does possess these qualities. Because I think you said this on a previous conversation, Rex, but like that just doesn't come out in one interview for an hour or a couple hours. It's just impossible to gain that amount of clarity with just one interview and sometimes even two interviews, which is why obviously you've moved to this three interview process with the phone screening to really make sure that it's the right person that's coming in because man, is it painful if it's not the alternative is so painful. So thank you for sharing this. I'm curious, what are some of the competencies or characteristics for your team? How many of those do you have for candidates who are coming into the process? Chick-fil-A has all operators go through a, a training process when you go into business with them. And one of the experiences that we had during that training process was around interviewing and uncovering the attributes that you're looking for in a candidate. And so we've used that as a springboard for how we do things in our restaurants. And you know, one of the things that we look for is flexibility. We need to feel good about the fact that whoever it is that we are going to partner with in our business is going to be flexible in taking on whatever role they have, maybe being asked to do a different role, learn a different role, work with different people. They may work at different day parts. In our business, in order for us to be able to uh, to pivot and move at the pace that that we need to, not only day to day, but simply how quickly the business changes, we need to partner with folks that are excited about that, that are ready to be flexible in in their approach and their day to day work and willingness to to work with others, whoever it is that that they may be scheduled with and whatever guests they may come across. So that's one of the attributes that we're trying to uncover. That's good. And so critical if you think about the environment in which you're you're developing leaders in within the restaurant. It's so fast paced and requires a lot of that, like you said, flexibility to be able to pick up and shift at the drop of a hat. Sometimes that's what the day calls for. So no doubt that that's, that's a critical 
competency that needs to be needs to be present. So flexibility. Are there any other ones that you'd be willing to to share with us, Rex? Those are proprietary. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would expound on on all the things that we're looking for, but I wouldn't want anyone to think, oh. Those are the three that they're looking for. And so if I'm looking for something completely different, maybe maybe that's not what I should be doing. And and frankly, you know, all of us are different. I tell other operators, I tell some of the leaders that work for me on a regular basis, you know, no two Chick-fil-A's are alike. And one of the things that we hear from guests all the time is every Chick-fil-A I walk into, you know, the people are always so nice. Well, that's a great thing. That's a great thing for our brand. But ultimately, when you work in a Chick-fil-A, you know that no two Chick-fil-A's are identical. And from a guest perspective, it's a great thing that they feel the same, that they're getting product that is prepared similarly. But you know, the things that we're all aiming for in our business may vary, may not be as important for someone else to do the kinds of things that are really important to us. And that's okay. That's the beauty of having individual owner operators is uh, uh, we get the latitude to make the decisions that are best for our business and our communities. That's great. And a great answer, Rex. I think a testament to your, your empowerment that you deliver to others and, and sense of ownership that you want to create in other people. You can't copy and paste Rex's uh, competencies here to people. You got to go, you got to go create them for yourself. Think about your business uniquely. What are the things that your business needs and then build from there? You're obviously somebody who's super passionate about just people in general and investing in lives. And I know that that's not easy. There's a business side of things and there's a people side of things. And I'd love for you to walk us through how do you think about those two sides of what you get to do every day with the business side of things and also the people side of things, how you break down your time in relation to those two items. What does that look like for you and your team? We strongly believe that the the people piece is far and away the most vital piece in the business. If you don't get that right, none of the rest of it matters. You have to partner with the right who. It cannot be overstated how important that part is. And I think everybody understands that. Uh, but then when, when the day-to-day starts to cascade and the torrent uh, of transactions come and, and the difficulties that, that often ensue as a result of that, a lot of times you, you move into survival mode or you have the tendency to, if you need people, you wind up oftentimes feeling like, okay, well, I've got to plug this hole. And then you're, you're prone to leave your, your values behind in doing so. I cannot stress enough how important it is for us that as best we can, that we stay ahead of our people needs uh, in terms of just sheer numbers. But that, that then gives us the opportunity to really search and drill down for the people that we really want in the business and that we really need to have in the business for us to be healthy in the years to come. I think of the business in terms of decades and and what it's going to look like in 20 or 30 years. I never think about retirement. I I turned 48 in two days and it's just not something that I think about. I, I can't imagine not 
living out my purpose or going to work every day. So, you know, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking about things only in short weeks or months or a handful of years of time. I tend to think that, that when you're preparing for, you know, the decades to come, you can make some different decisions in that regard. So it is vital to our success that we really focus on the people piece, knowing what our gaps are there, and then having a plan for how to deal with those gaps if we see them. Yeah, the awareness is huge and getting to see the gaps, but then also taking the initiative to fill those gaps is equally, if not more important than the awareness piece. Going back to what what you mentioned there, Rex, that none of it matters if you don't get that people piece. But what helps you out tremendously, I'm sure, is that decade perspective. It's the ability to zoom out and look into the future and say, hey, no, we're not going to hire this person just because they have you know, the experience that we need. We're going to make sure that we take our time to find the person that possesses the competencies that are going to help us be a successful business 10 years down the road. And so no doubt why, why you've seen some of the success that you've already seen, right? Any amount of time that you spend with people is time well spent. So thanks for spending the time with us today, Rex. I love this. I could, I could extend it for another three hours and we could, we could really talk like hoops and even unpack more coaching philosophy and talk more about leadership and and team structures. But, uh, but maybe I'll have to just have have you on for, for another episode down the road. My, My last question, Rex, are, are we going to be able to, to organize the first ever operator pickup games at, uh, at Next in 2023? Well, I would love that. But as a prerequisite to that, uh, we're going to have to make sure that we have officials because <laughs> I've played in a few of these pickup games through the years and ha- have never come out without broken bones or bruises. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. We got to guard against injuries. We may be on the search for some officials for the next Chick-fil-A. <laughs> pickup run that I'll, happens. I'll, I'll pay for them. <laughs> Thanks, Rex, for volunteering. Awesome. Well, Rex, man, I'll let you run. Thanks again for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you, appreciate man. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Like Rex said, you can focus on the business results or you can focus on the people. Both are really important. But the thing is, if you focus on the people, the business results will come. And the reverse is not always true. Three big takeaways I had from the conversation today. Number one was clearly define your vision, mission, and values. If you haven't already done that, those things will be the blueprint for the culture that you want to build. Again, clearly define your vision, mission, and values. Number two, start at the beginning. If you are not using your values as a filter for the people you hire, then you're doing it all wrong. You've got to start at the beginning and set the pace. Number three is people then results. If you're debating on where to spend your time, always default to your people. You will never go wrong. If you want to connect, check out the link in the episode description below. There'll be a link that you can uh, schedule some time with me. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. We will see you next time. Stay saucy, everybody. Everybody.